On to episode 20, a major milestone. I'm your host, Justin, and as always, I'm joined by my esteemed co-hosts, the connoisseurs of comedy, the boys of boisterousness, Babe, Donnie, and Cote. And as always, our esteemed executive producers, Dizzy Patterson, is keeping the group in order while indulging in his favorite co- case of cold ones. Gentlemen, we're going to welcome in our first set of guests that are related to one of you guys on the line. Lots of dirt to be devolved, I'm sure. Who do you think it is? Babe, why don't we start with you? Obviously, Texan case tonight. It'll be a great time to reminisce and talk about having Graham Gordon over for Christmas. Yeah, love that. Yeah. Love that. However, I'm going to go with Bert and Joey. I think we might have uh, <laughs> of the two of them on. I'm oh, above. maybe not. Maybe I'm not. Above. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nobody's got their Ouija board. Go, go, take, go ahead. I'm going to go a real long shot and think and... Some of us haven't even met these two people, but I think it could be Casey's seventh and eighth childs that we don't know about. I think that that's a possibility that are out there. And I think that they potentially have come forward, maybe now want to play Dom Day. And uh, their uncle Colin right now is kind of crying in his hands, which I couldn't give a rat's ass about. But I think that that's who it is. So let's find out, Justin. All righty, guys. You know what they say? Can't put Pandora back in the box. So why don't we welcome out our, our next guest? <laughs> they have a combined five Dom Day titles. Thanks solely to the senior, not the younger. For what they la- he lacks in a number of Dom Day titles, he sure makes up with a mitt full of Milton Awards. Hot off the grill. Burgers are up. Please welcome to the show, Stephen Andrew Coates. Woo! Senior and Dewey. Thank you. Gentlemen. Fucking, this should be a fucking treat. Welcome to the show. I did bring my Ouija board, so we could get uh, Joey and uh, Bird on if you'd like later. But let's see how the first guest. Let's goes. give it a shot. Yeah, yeah, the, a shot. The lights are starting to flicker about yeah. here, guys. So <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna move on. Um, okay, we're gonna start with you, Senior. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank we you. Wanna, we want to start off by asking you, what are some of your early memories of Dom Day and and how you got into the tournament? Well, I knew about the tournament from the word go because of uh, the esteemed Cote, um, who I think I slept in the same room as him since we were about seven years old. Um, Weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he, uh, I knew he was playing in this thing, and it was around the corner from Wendy's house. And uh, uh, I didn't play at the beginning. I was spending most of my weekends racing cars. And... Um, then uh, that first that first tournament, I remember it. But uh, Sunday, the Sunday of the tournament, I was taken off for Thunder Bay to go and work up there. And uh, about three and a half weeks into that sojourn, I had an industrial accident that uh, that uh, put me in hospital for a while, and I I couldn't play in the tournament for a couple of years after that, just because of various hardware being taken out of my leg and that, but. Um, and that really affected your play for the next 
40 30 years, years right? 30, yeah. 30 years at least. But I do have to, uh, th that event, which uh, some people know about, some don't, was recounted by my best man, who's one of the hosts of this show, at my wedding. And uh, Mako Tate had this bad habit of standing at the top of the stairs by the back door and waiting us for us to come home. And uh, so Cote's at the wedding and he, he says, uh, yeah, Steve had this accident, but, uh, uh, and my mom told me about it as I came through the door after a night at Ontario place, probably after about seven stabs with the key at the back door lock. That's kind of how we evaluated our condition. And he says, uh, well, that's really too bad, but I just chipped over the garbage can staggering up the back walk and almost broke my leg. So, that yeah, was, uh, she didn't that was, appreciate that. No, no, yeah, that was, that was the first year. And then I, uh, yeah, I didn't play the next year cause I had surgery to take the thing out the steel out. And then, uh, I don't know, life just kind of got in the way and I played in 82 and, uh, when Kenny Norris and I were rookies that year and, um, same caliber. That's yeah, absolutely. If he hadn't been there, I would have been rookie of the year for sure. I'm, you know who else was in there that year? Dicker. Uh, Dicker, yeah. yeah, Dicker, yeah. Dicker, would, I, Dicker would have won that year again, again. Yeah. Babe, and, you want to uh, jump in here, babe? Yeah, Senor, was that the night that uh, Cote? Uh, sorry, we got kicked out of Ontario Place. Well, I did want to mention the we factor. Yeah. Right. This this we movement started many many years ago. <laughs> it's kind of like the night that at the uh, down at the old Rexdale Legion when we got cut off at the bar. We wish we didn't have all we friends in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's, I mean, I knew about it. I, I had played uh, Donnie, you and I probably played pickup ball at uh, Rivercrest with uh, Mitch and uh, Paul Johnson. And uh, yeah. when we were kids, before they built the tennis courts, we were always playing ball up there. And uh, I knew all those guys um, just, uh, you know, played church league hockey with uh, case and, and, uh, but uh, no, it didn't start playing till 82, but I knew about the tournament. And I went to many of the parties. I think I went to years two, three, and four before uh, I started playing. Perfect. And do you know who you played for in your first year, senior? Yeah, Woody's first team. Rebels. You're a rebel. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah. coming coming out of that, you've had a few you, a few nicknames. I know the senior nickname, um, but some of the other other kind of monikers that you've you've gotten will we'll go through. And maybe Donnie will start it with you. Um, how did, how did, uh, senior get the, be tagged the gangly maladrot? Well, I, you know, when the, I mean, this is later on, this is, so he's, he's probably been playing 10 plus years. Right. And, and there was a couple of, there was a couple of run-ins at first base where, where senior would crank one and just start hacking his way down to first base. And he would run into a. <laughs> Uh, a, a cast of characters, the likes of Greg Woodford, or I remember a Kenny Marook battle, like where him, him and Kenny just clashed and it was just, you know, throwing barbs at each other. So then in, in the program, you know, I used to try to weave in these words that, you know, were existed, but nobody really ever used. And so I don't know where the, the maladrot came from, but it was the perfect tag. And so we, we tagged him with the gangly maladrot one year. <laughs> <laughs> and it's sort of stuck. I mean, it's stuck in an inside way because I'm not sure that anybody other than me, senior and, uh, you know, uh, Wendy and a few others use it. But uh, I thought and, it was. 
Yeah. Oh, and, and I checked the dictionary to make sure that word existed. Yeah. You had to just pull that one out of your ass. Yeah. And it does. It does. And yeah. it's the per- perfect it's description perfect. of how I've yeah. played for the last yeah. 20 years. Yeah. And, were there other, were, were there other handles? Or? No, no. And just senior. No. I think it was actually babe who took uh senior to uh, the, the Mexican pronunciation. Yeah. Um, senior. <laughs> senior. So, so where did the senior nickname originate from? Why don't we start with that one? Well, I think it's because uh, there was, you know, Cote. And as far as I know, he got his from the boys went fishing at French River and tried to uh, uh, Frenchify everybody's last name. His was the one that stuck. And uh, so I was senior Cote. Uh, David was punk Cote because he played in a punk band. And uh, punk stuck. And you can't die. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, seniors are short for senior code. Good to know. And over to our other guest is, is Andrew Coates. Andrew, why don't you tell us about, about some of your first, uh, first years in Dom Day? Well, I, I want to stick with the nicknames at first. I mean, we have our, um, ideas of why I'm Dewey, but Donnie, why am I Dewey? Like it's, it's not a clear, reason you know i i you're not the only one that asks sometimes <laughs> why am i why am I, and and it's just like you know you're in the middle of you're in crunch time in the program right and you're you're getting down there and you got all these guys every year every year or a lot of years there's you know six eight whatever new guys and you're just you're putting them in that i usually do that one sheet where i have the here's the new guys yeah and i'm you know you're you know i'm six or eight seat cart cores lights into it thinking what the heck and then i don't know dewey just came to mind so i plucked it in there and it stuck right. and it was a beauty there's yeah. another one that another I one mean, that's justin's there's been many attempts at justin but like not, right. he was sharky at one point like yeah, none, none, of them have, none of them have stuck no none of them I, have stuck. I have a new one for justin that i'm going to unveil next year so oh, I, oh great <laughs> <laughs> we'll be waiting with bated breath <laughs> There goes your your sleep, Justin. Yeah, I was going to say, I might have to drive down to Maryland before this thing is done. But Dewey Um, Dewey seemed like, I mean, it just works. Yeah, it works. works. If if I can interrupt, I always thought it had something to do with the first time that Andrew put together one of those those videos. And and, uh, so we we run the video during the party and... uh, Al McRae was the worst case, but there were several guys walking around in tears, you know, <laughs> after watching it. And, and I thought that's why I got called Dewey. And I thought it was because of do, do, and do law associates. Yeah. Who was the legal firm for Dom day for many, many years. Yeah. Right. And, and they represented Dumac shithouses in, back yes, in the day. Many, many times. And then many people think it refers to doers. Mm-hmm. doers the you know one of the beverages yeah. of choice of uh of of dewey and kinger yeah. and, and, and senior and yeah. westy and you know it also yeah. happens to be cote's wife's maiden name yeah exactly <laughs> andrew what the fuck are you doing <laughs> <laughs> so so andrew why don't you tell us i mean this this will be quick so don't blink you'll miss it but andrew why don't you tell us about your plan days yeah so i i i can't i think it's three uh, I don't know the first year. I do know I was an alarmer and I was quite relieved because Buff seemed like kind of a kinder coach. 
Um, the second year I was a wolf pack and that was the opposite end of the spectrum. Um, <laughs> is that, is that what, what ultimately was the last straw for you? Yeah, no, I, I played a third year and I, I think I was an alarmer again, the third year, but the, my biggest memory is, um, when I was a wolf pack and Nick didn't know what the hell to do with me. So he put me out in the field to start cause I was young and I should be able to run, but I had, blown a couple pop flies and we were in it was probably like a semi-final or something and this thing gets launched out to me in right field and I could hear everybody just you know holding their breath and clutching their pearls and uh and I stick my thing up and it's right at the fence and I open it and the ball's in there and uh this big cheer goes up <laughs> so that's like my greatest moment and you know, Nick probably breathed a sigh of relief. We didn't, we obviously didn't win that year, but um, yeah, I just, uh, after those three outings, I kind of just realized my skills were better used off the field. Yeah. And, and, uh, and that thing was called the glove. Well, uh, I was just going <laughs> to yeah, say, was, yeah, that was, was your athletic say. skills poking yeah. out when you called yeah. the glove a fucking thing. Yeah. So <laughs> I think it was clear to everybody that I should just take care of the dumpers. Yeah, but that doesn't say much for me, though, Andrew, because I played for uh, Wolf in my first two years, and he didn't even let me play in the outfield. He put me straight to catcher. So I think yeah. uh, what you're telling me is I should have quit a long, long before you did. Yeah, so, it's a family tradition, though. Yeah, Justin. yeah, you had experience. Yeah. Fucking yeah. Roscoe taught you how to play the position. Yeah, Hall, <laughs> Hall of Fame catcher, I guess it was in in the uh, in the uh, in the jeans. So, guys, we're gonna we're gonna pivot now. Got a bit of history on your 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 Dom Day kind of introduction. Um, but one of the things we wanted to talk about was was growing up in the Coates house. Obviously, we hinted off the top that that two of the guys here are, are obviously brothers, and and Andrew is is the nephew and the son. Um, but senior, why don't we start with you? Kind of a, what it was like growing up with Cote as a as a brother. Justin, are we going an extra hour for the show, or is it just? Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be a therapy session. I don't know if it's going to end up as a podcast, but it's for sure going to be a therapy. Oh, session. you're going to be the highest fucking ranked show we've ever had. So shut up, Baldy. So I mean, there's there's two phases to this. You know, one was before my dad died when Cote was extremely shy and um, you know used to get you know the odd ear adjustment as dad would call it. And uh, dad liked to watch hockey hockey, and he liked to watch the game and listen. Well, anybody who knows Cote knows that uh, he's a little chatty and uh, how he's, how he lived through those games. I do not know. But uh, uh, after my dad died, there was, you know, five of us at home, Don had moved out and uh, it was just a shit show. I mean, I, I don't know how my mother did it. I honestly don't. Um, we basically did whatever we wanted, you know, race cars, bought cars, um, you know, Cote, like, you know, like it was, <laughs> you pretty much do whatever you want because uh, she just was so busy trying to work and support us and keep an eye on us that um, it, it was wild. But uh, no, I mean, Anybody, we were pretty typical Rexdale. We lived right near the river. So we lived at the river. We lived right next to Thistletown. So we lived at the school, playing every sport you could play, you know, football, uh, uh, hockey on the, on the parking lot, uh, golf, um, riding our skateboards through the sewers. Um, Cote and I were very, very close, did all that shit together. And, uh, and then we got, he accelerated 
believe it or not, the the testament to the wisdom of the Etobicoke um, educational system. Paul took two years and one in, in public school. So he was only a year behind me. And uh, in those days, you only had to uh, get 27 credits to finish grade 12. You remember this, Donnie. So Paul took three, three times nine at the end of grade 11. He's done high school, right? He's graduated. Not so very he goes smart though. Wasn't too smart. No, no, no. So oh, that's honesty. Hold on, hold on. You think the Etobicoke Board of Education was a bastion of, of education? Humber College accepts them. <laughs> and you were, were you 16 yet, Paul? I don't know. I, it was like seven, seven. I think I was 17. No, I think no, you were 16. Yeah. And you, so you go to Humber College and you're hanging out with 20 year olds. And uh, like a month later, how, how long was it before you came back to Thistletown? I quit. I quit after six weeks. That's long. Yeah. 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 And then you spent three years back at uh, Thistletown <laughs> in, impeding everybody else's education. Yep. Right? Like you'd already graduated. I don't know why they let you show up every day and just cause yep. havoc. Yep. You know, and then they gave you a microphone. Right. They gave you the fucking microphone at the basketball games and the football games. Um, and how many of those people now are, you know, in therapy? Should be some of There's the neighbors in the area. There's a ton. Oh I, had, I, I had not heard that story. Oh, yeah. That's, that's oh, yeah. News. Yeah. Yep. Yep. No, I left and then I was like, fuck, I'm not ready to go to college yet. I went back to high school and cause shit. Yeah, you. So, I can't. I can't believe that. Yeah, yeah, so, but, yeah. so you you came back to high school as a mature as student. A what? Mature, <laughs> yeah. assistant. But but not really a mature student. Jesus. I Christ. just thought I would yeah. just so, expand my uh, brain power and get more credits. Yeah. Which so you had already graduated. Yeah. Yep. In grade but, twelve, though, you came yeah. back to hit your grade thirteen, right? Yeah, yeah. Which I never did. Yeah. yeah. Like those, they were way too hard. Fuck. <laughs> You came back trying to, to make X equal Y times fucking eight. You no. came back to get it, but you didn't get it. No, no, no. You should have. My mom, she she didn't give like all she cared about was putting food on the table. She didn't really know if I was doing schoolwork or not. No, you should have got Judy's credits for her. That's true, <laughs> Judy. Yeah, yeah. She she yeah. just wasn't that big a fan of the institutional shit. She yeah. just couldn't hurdle over grade 10. Just, nope. just yeah, knocking exactly. it over. Now, I don't want to say Judy was the only person that this happened to, but Mr. Vipont, the VP, called my mom in to the to the principal's office one day and says, Mrs. Coates, I think you and I would both agree that it would be best if Judy didn't continue on at Thistletown. Why, why they didn't have that conversation about you, Cote, I don't know. So, so Cote, why don't why don't you get your your licks in now? What was it like growing up with Senior as a brother? Oh, we actually got along great, and obviously, when you know our our, I think most people know, but our dad passed away when we were very young, right? I was, I was twelve, Steve was fourteen, and unfortunately, Jim Senior had a heart attack and was gone, and so there's our mom took care of us all, and so we all kind of pitched in and took care of. Him. We weren't bad kids; we were just adventurous, but we all showed up for for dinner every night, and then. Uh, you know, went through school and, you know, I, I I'll, I'll admit I'm, you know, Steve was, uh, was the, the, had the brains of the, the older group. Dave was smart too, but he, he, you know, he went on to university of Toronto, became an engineer and he certainly was no angel going to U of T the nights that he came home. And my mom's like, you're really impaired. 
And, uh, but he, he, uh, we had a great time. We had a, we had a room downstairs, a big, huge room that we shared and had great laughs. And then we got into cars and started racing them. And, uh, we, we freaking burned the midnight, the candle out both ends for many nights working on race cars and cars in the driveway and shit like that. And we had a great time. It was, it was a ton of fun growing up, you know, without, even without a dad, we still had a laugh. So we're going to get into the, the cars and, and, you know, the, the Friday night car racing and Saturday afternoon car fixing as, as senior calls it. But why don't we first start? Cause I, it sounds like, you know, from what I've heard and, and what I kind of got from, from, you know, collecting some information from you guys prior to this show is that Ma Coates' house was a bit of a central figure for you guys growing up. And there was something called the festivals um, that were, were held at, at that house. Maybe, Babe, I'll start with you because I'm, I'm told that you coined the name the festivals. Yeah, Ma Cote would go away for a week, I think every year. And she would leave Friday at like 4 o'clock. And at 4.01, there'd be like, 20 cars in the driveway and guys wheeling cases of beer. And this is even before they had the pool in the backyard. And so it became sort of a festival, like a week long festival at Cote and, and seniors place. And it was just a, it was a gong show, but it was so much fun. And then, you know, Sunday at like three o'clock, everybody would pitch in and we clean up everything and sh- get out. And probably, you know, at, at four o'clock, Ma Cote would come home and she was a fabulous lady and just, you know, to do what she did in those days, you know, it was tough and she was just a great, great person. But when she went away for a week, you know, we had the festivals and they were so much fun. And then when you got the pool, uh, when you guys got the pool, it was even better. Just add another dimension to it. And of course, you know, nobody was supposed to go off the roof and jumping into the pool, but the first person, um, you know, there's no secret here would be Cote uh, flying off the roof and doing a somersault. And then he had the white whale going, which is always a classic. And not many people know how to do the white whale, Paul. So maybe you could explain that. <laughs> no, just, uh, you know, but uh, yeah, exactly. So no, we had great times at the pool and stuff like in, in the backyard and everyone came, but everyone was respectful. But, you know, it was like yesterday listening to uh, Crouchman curled up against the front wall drunker than drunks singing me and mrs jones right to the lady mrs jones next door just because he couldn't get his ass off the ground so we had lots of lots of great times at king's and it's funny because you talk and i know you mentioned justin but like we on saturdays we'd work on cars and steve you'd never forget forget this the time westy came over right and got into the booze hard and that he had that z20 no not z28 240 z240 z and he Remember, he's working on the car and then he got to take it out for a test run and he hit all the bolts on top of the radiator and just took off. Well, he shouldn't have been driving and fucking car parts are flying everywhere down the street. Right. You know, and that was just roasty. It was classic. And Hawk putting it into the ditch at the end, thinking he was a Formula One driver, and smashing the piss out of his 280Z. We had we did we work on cars and then guys would bring them back and we got to fucking fix them for silliness. Well, and, and Cote, you were the worst offender because easy like remember you hit remember you drove into that tree over near uh, hawk's place but he but he honked first yeah the fucking tree moved yeah because you're on the sidewalk and at one of the festivals your car was boxed in in the driveway so somehow you managed to maneuver it onto the front lawn down the sidewalk and out out the Naughton's driveway one of the neighbors saw it and reported it back to the fucking general when she got home yeah that didn't go over that well 
Yeah. Yeah. The neighbors. Oh, yeah. And you were an angel the fucking night you come home from the Humber pub. The, that truck swapped ends right at the corner of Elmhurst hey, and Islington. I didn't you say. You just fucking steamrolled that pole. <laughs> Hey, this I is was, a game of darts here, guys. Yeah, yeah. Let's, I, was, let's, I was I was doing a little tally um, on because I never thought that I damaged any vehicles, but the first Volkswagen I had, I rolled it the second day I had it up at Hughes's Cottage, and then the second Volkswagen I, wagon I had, I smashed it into the wall by Labatt's getting onto the four hundred one with Wendy, and uh, the next car, the Capri, was up at Oktoberfest in Kitchener with Brent and uh, a couple other guys and put it in a cornfield and then drove it home the next morning to uh, Rexdale. With and, a lot uh, of corn too. So yeah. And, and then yeah, the truck, I hit the pole in front of the, uh, the Gulf station at Islington and Elmhurst and the Volvo I put into the ditch up near stars in Brampton. So Oh, you're a yeah. fucking great driver. I'm a great, yeah, I'm I was, a great I was, driver. I was going to say, if, if our viewers kind of remember back there were the three the three drivers that you just always knew in Donde were bad. Was Senior one of those three? I remember Delmer. I remember no, Tink. Tink we've, at, we've just and added Sid. Him yeah. and Sid, are we, are Sid. we adding? It sounds like Senior might have to go on the list here. <laughs> Sid, Delmer, and Sid. Tink, and now Senior. Yeah, yeah, Senior was more aggressive driver yes. than a bad yeah. driver. Okay. Sid was no. slow. Sid went what? into a ditch slow and easy. So, so who, so uh, senior, who was in who was in your class at TCI? Like who who were those guys? Oh, like, um, Big E, Eric. Yeah. So, so I'm in, I'm in the same same age as you guys, right? Yeah. All, all those guys, right? Ronnie, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Ronnie and I were super tight through uh, through Heather Bray and and Rivercrest, and uh, uh, so all those guys, right? Um, were in my in my year, and. Um, so then the strike happened, remember in 76? Yeah. Yep. yeah. So that was uh, that was my grade 13 year. I was a little not too enthused about school, partly because I had this racing car that was sucking up all my time. So when the strike happened, Cote and myself and John Hughes, we took off to Sarnia and we were working in a refinery down there through the strike. And um, when they came back from the strike, I pretty much accepted the fact that I was going to... Uh, uh, do grade 13 over. And, uh, so, um, yeah, so I graduated a year behind all those guys. Okay. And, um, but, uh, yeah, all those guys are, are my age. I and just, then, the, and then there was another class behind you and then Cote's group. Well, so no, Cote was, a... was in theory right behind me, but. Okay. I went to school with a lot of different grades. Yeah. 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 yeah, he did. He did. It covered six years of people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if there had been a kindergarten at TCI, he'd be, he'd be part of that too. Well, the but, whole thing was a fucking kindergarten. Let's be honest. Uh, you know, Chevy, Chevy went there. Out, yeah, not West Humber though. No, oh no, yeah, no. the and fucking this, Angel School. Yeah. yeah. The de- the uh, the downfall of Joey was deciding to go to freaking TCI with you idiots. <laughs> oh, you can know? you imagine, poor guy, if he'd gone to West Humber, <laughs> stayed on the <laughs> academic track? Yeah, <laughs> we would have saved him. Fuck, yeah. he 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 hooked up with Graham and shit went sideways from there. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah Grant, Grant was in my year. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, why don't you tell some of the uh, elementary school Graham stories, the OG stories? Well, you know, Graham and I, if you would look at us now, would say, well, those two guys would never be friends, right? Like their lives are completely different. But Graham and I are uh, about a month and a half apart, and we lived on that little street. There was technically 
technically three houses on one side and two on the other by address. And uh, so we were close as close can be. And uh, I mean, I can't say that Graham single-handedly pulled me into all the shit that we, that we did because I probably, you know, was a willing participant, but my God, I, we made so many kids' lives miserable, you know, um, mix, or <laughs> McNabney, uh, Lynn, <laughs> her name comes to mind just because Graham could spit about 40 feet and he would just paint kids on the way to school in public school, you know, Tuesdays and Fridays were garbage days. Right? First thing Graham would do as we were walking to uh, Heather Bray is rip a branch off a tree so that he could slice open every garbage bag on the way to school. You know, those poor old guys that worked at the, uh, Donnie, you used to cut through the uh, old folks home on the way to school, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Those, those poor guys who worked at the old folks home. I mean, we just made their life miserable. Yeah, Graham would throw a fucking snowball at them every day in the wintertime. Oh, he just yeah. fired it right at their head. He did not give a rat's ass. Oh, and he'd hide. He'd wait for them to get really close, too. And, yeah. But, I mean, it's surprising that I lived. I mean, we were riding on his bike, double riding down Hinton, full speed one day. And those bikes, we had to pedal backwards to put the brakes on. And, of course, the chain comes off, right? So there's no pedaling backwards at that point. And we're about... 20 yards from the corner at the bottom of Hinton and there's no way we're making the corner at that speed. So we go through the ditch and get launched into the chain link fence. Right. And uh, just bounce off the fence and the top bar and, and uh, survive it and carry on, you know, get on our skateboards and go down the sewers. I mean, I just, I'll never forget the time we were swept away by the Humber river in the spring thaw. And uh, as I'm somersaulting down the riverbed, thinking to myself, I'm going to be one of those kids you see on the front page of the star, right? And uh, then the river got really shallow, and I ended up just sitting there soaking wet with the river steaming on by me, and Graham sitting beside me. And he goes, wow, that was wild. <laughs> just, Good stuff. So, so you guys obviously had a little bit of fun, needless to say, growing up, um, growing up. So why don't we pivot a bit? I know uh, Andrew's Andrew's on the phone. So why don't we address Andrew? Uh, Andrew's you know, left. He left. Yeah. Us. yeah. 30, 30 minutes into the show, Andrew, you're allowed to come back here. Um, <laughs> why don't we why don't we talk a bit about uh, as we continue to talk about kind of growing up and, and mock coats and all that sort of stuff. Um, I know for me, you know, growing up, mock coats, house was a, a big part of our kind of childhood at, at Dom Day, uh, going there for some it's the pool parties, the Saturday night pool parties, a lot of good memories as a kid in in that backyard. Um, but, but Andrew, what was it like for you, obviously growing up and, and that, that house being such a big part of your Dom days and, and your, your extended family? Yeah. I mean, the house was the, the hub of everything coats related. Um, not just Dom day. I mean, we would go down there. We didn't have a pool in Newmarket. So, you know, probably two weekends out of every month in the summer, we'd be down there and, um, you know, Mary lived there. Judy was close by, um, you could always drop by grandma Coates's and it was a small kitchen, but, and there was this side counter that always had like fresh cookies there. Um, you, sh you know, she'd be pissed if you come and just clean them out, but um, there was always there. Yeah. I mean, it was just, you know, my other grandparents obviously uh, had a house on Barhead, uh, which was technically closer to the field, but I don't know, it, you know, home base was always Fort Kingsville. 
Um, and it just, it was an open door policy. And so that's probably why you remember it just as well. Cause you know, you just, you didn't have to ask to go, you know, people, six families would just show up with kids ready to swim and grandma Coates would just, you know, make do with whatever chips and popsicles she had and, <laughs> and uh, just be happy to host. So yeah, it was, a. it's as integral in my memories to Dom Day as Casefield or, you know, any of the other landmarks. So is that where Andrew, where you guys would have stayed like during the party, like when back when you guys were young, where your all the cousins would stay during the party? Yeah, so it would, you know, usually one of the aunts, Mary or Judy, would babysit us all, and it would just be a big slumber party there. And I know my mom's told the story when she was on about uh, coming back from the blender party, and we were swimming, and uh, she fell out the garage uh, door right into the pool and, and said, fuck, right in front of Grandma Coates. Um, yeah, so yeah, it was always just, we would sleep there, you know, throughout the weekend. Uh, and so it was with Danny and Kristen and Spencer and, you know, anyone else who was there might not even be a family member the woods boys probably stayed there at certain points and yeah so any other andrew any any other good memories from from there related to dom day uh that you can think of um not really i mean thank god judy lived there because you know she was on cromarty after grandma code sold the house because you know it it housed the diamond side grill in between days and fences and pylons and whatever so you know when when grandma sold 40 Kings, no, Cromarty became, you know, the new 40 K and you could always just drop into Judy's. It was the same thing. And I know, you know, we then had a couple of Saturday night pizza parties and fireworks on Cromarty for years um, until uh, someone was caught pissing in a bush and the neighbors uh, complained when Judy got home from the cottage and <laughs> kiboshed that. Was that it? it was a was guy it? with one eye. <laughs> yeah. in a bush i still think those new neighbors are those new fucking homeowners are going to be in for a little surprise after the 2022 remos on friday night when i fucking yeah. show up <laughs> yeah when you when you <laughs> stumble forget, in and forget that my sister doesn't live there anymore yeah hopefully they've <laughs> taken the key out of the mailbox <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> Uh, that's good stuff. So Andrew, while, while we're talking, obviously a lot of good memories as a kid, um, but later in life, you guys start to drink. You join the Coates tradition of having not us, a few, not, a, not this family. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the Coates is drinking, but you guys join the, the fraternity of drunks at Dom Day like the rest of us do eventually. Yeah. Um, so what are some, uh, what are your, some, some of your memories? Obviously you mentioned your mom at the blender party, but what are some of your memories as you guys start to drink? Um, Mine usually all revolve around this, this liquid in here. Um, and I think it was, it must've been after symposium because Kinger and I kind of bonded over um, the Brown stuff down in Maryland. And so that next Hold on. special delivery here. Oh, uh, listen, oh, I just had that... to bring my buddy, Colin Patterson, a Moscow mule because I know how grouchy he gets when you're talking about Rexall. It's fucking oh, Rex Fuck off, Lanny. Love you. Yeah. Hang on, Lanny. We'll bring yeah. Chevy in to bark yeah. at you. Fucking Moscow mule, you fucking two asses. Did he did he play he was a Dom Day guy once, right? No? Is that who no. I, that was? Oh, no, oh, Lanny wanted Lanny to be a dog. Oh, he was, yeah, he, he was, tried to play he, he was the hockey once. player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 
<laughs> Anyhow, back to the. Uh, so yeah, uh, where uh, were that we? next. I don't know if if Kinger came up that next summer. If it was you know if Charlotte let him come up another time, I don't know. But uh, somebody had given me a bottle of bourbon, and it was either Westy or Tink for doing you know the field op stuff. So I don't think I don't think what Westy would have given up a bottle of booze. Yeah, that's true. He got into it with us. I know that for sure. So oh, yeah. we were doing oh, yeah. the, the sing-along and uh, I just go around and start dumping it up into people's red cups. And so Kinger and Roasty and I all went through this bottle in 20 minutes. And then I remember ordering pizza to the field for everyone. Um there are accounts of me kind of walking from third base to first kind of sideways. Like people were just about to come out because I was about to lose it. <laughs> and then I did a, a repeat of that a couple years later and everybody left and it was when bowling started and I decided to, Oh, that's when I kicked the back of Mike Woods's SUV. And I thought it was just like a joke kick, but the next morning, like there was a huge dent in it. Um, uh, I think he turned that vehicle back in on a lease. Uh, probably had to pay a fee for that. But I decided I was just going to walk to a Bolaram. I was not going to get a ride. Uh, so I got there and I waited for a half an hour before everybody else. And the booze really kicked in. And uh, my parents showed up and they worked. I don't think you guys were bowling that year. You would just come and, and they could see that I needed to be taken home immediately. And and uh, that was the, my last really bad bourbon memory of Casefield. So, yeah. You should, Andrew, maybe, you should maybe control yourself. Yeah, Andrew, if, if you had learned anything from your uncle, Paul, when you tell a story about damaging someone else's vehicle, you say, we, we kicked we, we kick the we, vehicle. We. Yeah. Someone. <laughs> Use the term someone. Someone. someone Possible deniability. We'll, let, yeah, we'll yeah. let you actually, if you want, you could say that right now and Dizzy can edit it backwards. And we can just <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone knows who did it. Yeah. But no, that's funny because I always joke with with Andrew that he's a, he's a Saturday guy uh, when it comes to drinking at Dom Day. He's always yeah. the guy that gets drunk on, on Saturday um, because of, of memories like that at, uh, at uh, that. I, I happen to be a Friday, Saturday, Sunday guy, so I can't really judge. <laughs> <laughs> but so so but, when whenever kinger's up i'm like you know there's a long history of of him and the brown as as everybody <laughs> is aware of and so is that, a good, like, is that a good history donnie it's a history and, and <laughs> so when he comes up to dom day i'm like no brown no brown no brown and we actually get through the whole day saturday <laughs> until the sing-along and then all of a sudden you know i'm i'm starting to sing and dance and whatever and i turn around and him and dewey are chugging this brown bottle and uh, i mean it's it lights out you know at that point it's like the, well, the, two of them. the one year yeah. uh i think it was the second one he was going home either <clears throat> early sunday morning yeah the next morning that yeah. night and so he got taken back to the hotel and i think pete found him in his bathroom, trying to have a shower. He'd fallen down, cut himself. There was blood everywhere. And Pete just put him, tucked him into bed and he did make his flight home. But yeah, uh, yeah. he's, he's no better than the, I the, in handling the, that. The, the one side. year, the one year, we got to get him on here one time, but the one year he went to the wrong residence in. Remember he jumped in the cab and he took a, 
he said, take me to the residence inn. And the guy's like, well, where? He says, I don't know the residence, residence inn. So they dropped him off and he went up and he tried his room key. And he, anyhow, it turned out he was at the wrong residence inn. He wasn't at the one over by Carlingview. He was, he was somewhere else. So Was that the year, Donnie, Donnie, that he was he was dating that big stuffed bear? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Donnie, that leads into a great story, too, about Senor. Talk about checking in the wrong residence. Inn. Yes. Yeah, I think we've touched on that. Haven't we? Yeah, we did. But I'd love to hear it from senior's point of view. Yeah. Yeah. Cote, maybe was recap. It, the story was it your stag, Steve? Or was yeah, it Brent's Brent stag? No, your stag. Yeah. And you felt you needed a hotel room. Take it from well, there. For some unknown reason, I walked from the infamous Albion Community Center. Right. And I don't know if it, that was it my stag or yours. That Graham, Graham hey, decided no getting help. No getting d- help. Decided there. to destroy all of the sinks and toilets in the washroom. Um, but not anyhow, I, I digress. I uh, so that was in March. It was not warm, and I uh, so I'm walking along Albion Road towards Islington. We were all staying at Minnows that night, and uh, good memory. Um, base. Based on the uh, my face the next morning, at some point I'd fallen down and hit the sidewalk, forgot to put my hands out. But uh, I was very tired by the time I got to Albion and Islington, and I saw this shiny hotel on the corner. And uh, uh, so I decided to check in, and I uh, walked in the front door proudly, slapped my American Express card down on the uh, – front counter of the um, nursing home that was there and said, I'd like a room. And the look on the woman's face was, was priceless. Like, (laughs) sir, I don't think you have the medical conditions, but you are in some ways much better, worse off than most of our patients. I think you were wearing one (laughs) shoe, were you not? (laughs) Oh yeah. I'd had a nap and lost a shoe, but the best part was after that, after I was refused entry, and I should sue them, Andrew, let's sue that <laughs> nursing home. Yeah. Um, is there was a, uh, you guys probably remember, across the street where the grocery store is now, there, there used to be a donut place. I can't remember the name of the coffee place. It wasn't Tim Hortons. It was one of the old ones. Country, country, style. country style. Yeah, yeah, yeah country style. style. Yeah. So I go in and I get a coffee. I guess I figured I needed a coffee. I was going to make it to Minnows. Because from there to Minnows is what, about a 10-minute walk, babe? No. I'd be say 15 off the, yeah. 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 Well, in a normal hours. condition. It took yeah. me about four hours. Anyhow, so I go in and get this coffee. And uh, these two idiot cops parked their car in front of the place and where they weren't when I walked in. And I came out. I fell across the fender rolled across the hood, spilled my coffee on the windshield and rolled off the other side and just continued on my way with one shoe. And, uh, and, your, and not your coffee. And not my coffee. And uh, showed up at Minnows just as the sun was coming up and walked in the front door. Uh, he was asleep in the living room. The look on his face was like, oh, my God, we thought you were dead. And uh, thank God you're not. So and the next day was Wendy's grandmother's. 85th birthday or something. I don't know. And I have Grandma got this, Roundtree? Yeah. Grandma Roundtree. And I've got this large freaking face sidewalk contusion on my face. I can't remember how I explained that one. 
that's good stuff. Oh, so, okay. Thanks. So all these stories on the drunken debauchery, somewhere along the line, we said, you know what? We need a coats in charge of this tournament. Um, somebody, somebody who can obviously drink and keep us in order. And that's where Andrew's story kind of begins as we, you know, we talked about his baseball playing career, but what will ultimately make him a Dom Day Hall of Famer one day is his contributions um, to what he has done throughout the tournament. Um, so Andrew, you were obviously, I think those who, who know, you were one of the first guys, you were the first guy to get involved with organizing Dom Day from the second generation. Um, so tell us about kind of how you got involved uh, and where that all started for you. Yeah, so I mean, of the, of the first baseline families, I'm, you know, like a good five years older than kind of the, the meat of all the kids. So I started going to the, you know, the fall and the spring meetings with my dad, just tagging along. And um, I think at one point, Minnow just assigned me to do something. Um, and I didn't screw it up badly enough. And he, you know, just kept giving me more stuff. And, and that's really where it, it came on. I mean, I think the first thing was the Philmans had been doing, you know, field ops. So I kind of got handed that. And back then we didn't pay the city to cut the field and do the lines and all that sort of stuff. Like it was a, a couple guys would show up on the Thursday with hand mowers and, and uh, do the field. So I remember doing it once by myself. Um, cause it had been really wet and the, it was, the grass was pretty long and, and Pete shows up at his BMW five series and pulls <laughs> out a, a mower from the trunk. And he's out, the, the two of us are out there doing that, trying to get the field ready. Um, and then, um, you know, and then organizing the dumpers, that's kind of still the, I got handed that over from uh, Danny as well. You know, the, the dumper lady contact number, make sure you call her by May or you're not going to get your dumpers. And I, I remember one year we, for the longest time, you know, we got three or four and I called the next year and she said, do you guys want to think about getting another? They were pretty full when we picked them up last year. <laughs> so I and said, yeah, for the 150 bucks, let's get another for Jonesy. Yeah. And I think that, um, I think people need to know that was during the Jonesy era. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah. And then, and then I kind of got into uh, doing the program because, you know, Donnie used to do it. Um, I don't know what program, because I know Westy helped lay it out for years and then Donnie was just doing it himself. And it was always like, you know, a real scramble. He would arrive up in Canada and then try to find, you know, a Kinko's back then to get it printed. And it would always cost us a fortune because it was a rough job. And, and so I know knew how to use, you know, Adobe InDesign um, software. And I said, you know, I could probably lay it out. So then Donnie could just concentrate on creating the, the content gold. Um, and I would do the layout and then we could actually get it to the printer and, and get it for a decent price. So started doing that. And then Donnie allowed me to, you know, do some of the filler joke pages. And um, so I got to do some writing. Um, and then the first year I did a um, kind of multimedia slideshow thing was, um, I don't know if it coincided, it was when FIDA won the cup the first time. I don't know if it coincided with one of our five-year, you know, kind of milestones or not, but just had taken a bunch of pictures and put them together and did a slideshow at the bar. And, um, and that's the night that, unbeknownst to me, the gods had kind of convened and decided to bestow uh, godship on me. And uh, Minno just, after the slideshow was over, Min just pulled out the mic and, and just said, 
we're anointing a new God. And I, I remember standing on the bar at St. Louis and everybody just ch chanting Dewey, Dewey. And that was a pretty cool moment because that, you know, I was the first of the, of the offspring as we call ourselves to kind of be accepted into the, the governing committee as it were. And then Justin we came along. We must, have, we must have been fucking hammered. Yeah. <laughs> I, think so. I think so. Yeah. And then Maybe. Justin came along and, uh, and booted me out and took control and, you know, I, I barely get invited to any meetings anymore. Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Good thing about being in control is we can edit that out, right? Does yeah, exactly. <laughs> you still will book the, the dumpers for next year. Yeah. Right? Yep, yeah. Yep, all right. right. <laughs> no, uh, I'm kidding. But uh, in all seriousness, you also didn't talk about the fact that you guys did the uh, the barbecue for, for a very long yeah. time, which is uh, no small feat. Um, but anybody, anybody got any special orders that, that you knew when they were coming up, they were just going to ask you to toast their bun or something special like that. <laughs> yeah. So we, we took it over from Jonesy. It kind of, it kind of goes in like seven year waves, you know, one family will do something for seven years and then say, fuck this, I'm done with it. So, um, so yeah. Um, yak, yak loves a toasted bun. You know, he'd always sidle up there. It's like, you know, 40 degrees, not near the barbecue, 60 near the barbecue. And he's like, can you just toast this, you know, like 90 seconds. That's, that's my preferred doneness. Both him and doc doc loves a, a burnt to a crisp a hot dog. Um, you know, but you got to keep him happy because you know, there are no more kids doing bottles anymore. I don't know why I keep yak happy. Well, he, he drops a ton of money at the silent auction, but, um, yeah, there was always those people. Oh, you know, oh, you don't have, um, you know, uh, dill pickles this year, and it's like, no, fucking, you know, bring your own. <laughs> yeah. And then you also had to keep an eye out for those McCrays because while everybody else oh, yeah. was putting twenty bucks in the fucking jar, they yeah. were trying to remove fucking forty. Yeah, they're yeah. they're all counting out dimes in their hand. Can you pitch in? Let's get to ten. <laughs> yeah, do you have change? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cheap scottish bastards so yeah. and then the oh. other thing andrew because i feel like this is a this is a task that never gets any publicity <clears throat> is the monday morning cleanups so yeah. you're definitely um i will admit i am in no state to be cleaning up anything besides maybe the people no one is and that's the, the problem neither, they're not either. they're not either yeah yeah but yeah it's, but, it's it's senior and i we you know we always go because we, uh, we have stored the fence for years. So we go and pick up the fence and, you know, I must say people are very good um, on Sundays during the blender party. The fence always gets taken down. The flags always get folded and put in the bags, but you know, th then it all goes to shit and the garbage, you know, it's, it's ice cream containers from the blender party. It's, you know, bottles of whiskey, a million beer caps. That's the thing. Like, you know, dad and I are out there with a rake, just trying to rake them up and um, always a broken tent. You know, I don't know what happens but without fail. Somebody breaks their tent and just leaves it and thinks the Dom de Fairies. So finally, um, we started as part of the permit. We started saying, you know, can we please use the, the big dumpsters at the back of the school there? And they said, yes. So at least, you know, we only have to take it 150 yards, not because uh, a couple of years I was driving it over to Disco Road to like, you know, the Toronto dump terminal. Um, Andrew, yeah. do you remember the year that, uh, well, two things, the year that Doc didn't show up. Yeah. Right. And, and I think that was the first year that we, we used the dumpster over behind the school without, yeah. without permission. Yeah. And oh my God, the amount of beer bottles and beer cans we put in there, but yeah. there was another year 
that uh, we just found some some location over off Tabor Road. Yeah. And was it a truck, an empty dump truck? No, or something? there was a building that was getting renovated. So the construction oh, there was a bin. Had, there was a and bin. We were, yeah. And it was a really high one. So we're just tossing these things. And then it's like, start the car. Let's go before somebody <laughs> sees us. <laughs> yeah. 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 But it's, a, it's amazing what fucking pigs play in this <laughs> tournament. My God. I On the third baseline. Yeah, yeah. First baseline is always respectful. Yeah. Well, it, it, the third baseline looks fine till you idiots come over for the blender party. That's yeah. all blame. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Come over to our house for yeah. the blender party. Yeah, all of a sudden, it's a real story. Hey, Donnie, when I have you over to my place for a party, I don't make you stay and clean up afterwards. That's so. right. That's but you know what? I always on that Monday morning um, when everything is gone and um, you know the fences are neatly piled away and all the garbage. It's really interesting to see how just a tiny little field that is. And it, you know, 250 people descend on it for 72 hours. And then it just goes back to kind of anonymity and there's just weeds growing. And it's, it's always amazes me when I look at it and see what happens there over those three days. And you'd never know it if you were just driving by that sleepy little school. I always look forward to that picture. You guys always post about with all the trash bags yeah. you know the mound <laughs> of trash bags and, yeah. and then i was just thinking this year you can just toss it over into fergie's new pad you know oh, he bought yeah. woodward's house so yeah. just Did throw he? it over there he'll take care <laughs> oh, of it yeah. we tried to get woodward to store the fence one year but uh, oh, it was gonna cost too many hot dogs so they were gonna we didn't it. in the budget they were gonna eat the fence yeah, he said he said have you got a recipe that goes with it <laughs> can we smoke it it's round it looks like a joint <laughs> uh, that's good stuff so I mean, I mean andrew there's there's without a doubt i mean if you look now where we are and and you've probably been doing this for 15 years um and you were definitely the first guy to kind of um take a step up in terms of getting involved um in dom day and and you know a lot of guys have obviously followed uh, in your footsteps since but i think the thing that's most important is you know it's it's always toughest to be the first guy to the to the table um and you definitely were and i think when we look back at kind of the fact that this tournament now has I, I would say you know 12 12 guys and girls who are very dedicated to sitting at that table every year plus many other young guys who you know give what they can at the field in terms of, you know, knocking up fence posts, um, umping games, flipping burgers, all that sort of stuff. I think in a lot of ways um, it goes back to your initial kind of commitment to step up. So, I mean, we talk about and joke about kind of the, the dumpers and, and the, the bottle caps and all that sort of stuff, but they are huge pieces of why this tournament happens. So um, a hat tip to you um, on all, all, all you've done uh, over the last uh, 15 years, if you will. Well, thank you. I mean, I won't take the credit, but I, I will say that all the guys and girls, but you know, the guys who are helping out on the field there, there is a tone that has been set that like, when you're new, you come and you help, you don't just sit in the lawn chair, you're out there, you know, putting the fence up on Friday and uh, you pitch in where you can. So, it, you know, it's, it's no free ride. And, and most people realize that, or they just don't come back. <laughs> That's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. So guys, we're going to be heading to the finish line very soon, but as you guys are our first father son um, do on the podcast, we just wanted to quickly talk about what it means to be a father son in Dom day. Um, I know Andrew, you wanted to talk about the, the father son connection and what it means to Dom day. So why don't you open up with that? Yeah, I, I mean, 
Dombe is very much a, a, a family thing. And so I think my sisters have as much fun or more. Um, don't name names, but yeah, you know, it is a family thing, but at the core of it, because yeah, it, it, it's a father son thing. And if this tournament was going to continue on, um, you know, the sons had to come in and while I didn't play very long, um, you know, I have contributions in other ways, but it's very important. And I, I will never forget um, when Bobby Light and I did the, um, the kind of mini documentary for, for, what was it, for the 30th or the 35th? 35th. Um, yeah, we went around and took, you know, 20 pictures of fathers and sons. And it was, you know, it was just emblematic of what Dom Day is, um, you know. Just be, and you know, I don't play and, and my dad doesn't play anymore, but it's no less special to go there um, and just be part of that. You know, what some young kids started, in, you know, in 78 and, and now there's young kids and they're not so young anymore. Um, and now those young kids are having kids and that might be the third generation. And it's just, it's a really cool thing if you look at it from that standpoint. And, and Senior, what about you? Uh, obviously as the, uh, the father, what, uh, what's your, your thought? Oh, I, as, as Dewey said, it's, it, it has been more of a family event than a sporting event for me the entire time. Um, you know, my kids don't remember, honestly do not remember a, a Canada Day weekend. They haven't spent at that shitty little field with, you know, with the weeds growing up that turns into the, this majestic, uh, uh, sports palace, um, and, uh, you know, and staying at grandma's and all the rest of that, it, it is, it is a family thing. So as Andrew said, the girls aren't playing, they're a big part of the tournament, but, uh, I was delighted when he played and, uh, you know, the fact that he played three years and, and, and stopped is, is fine with me because he's taken up such a pivotal role and made the tournament better. Um, we all hold this tournament so dear. And, um, so Having the, having the sons there is absolutely key. I had said to Wendy over the years, you know, I wish my dad could have come to the field and sat with Mr. P and, and some of the other dads that, uh, that I've known my whole life and watch their sons still play. I mean, Brent lost uh, his father-in-law and his dad in the last year, and they both used to come to the tournament. So, um, Unfortunately, um, whether we like it or not, the original group of guys are becoming those guys sitting on the sideline and watching. And, um, you know, if the Suns weren't playing, I don't think we'd be there watching. So it's uh, it's key to the survival of the tournament. And they're doing what we did. They're bringing in their buddies. Right. So um, bring on the buddies. And uh, that's how the tournament's going to survive. Great stuff, guys. So we're going to get into some final thoughts. Andrew, why don't I start with you? Just some final thoughts on Dombe. Yeah, it's hard to believe that, uh, you know, we're on the backside of the second year of, of not being able to have Dombe. And it was kind of agonizing. You know, the first year, in some ways, was harder to pull the plug at the last minute and think, you know, how can we interrupt this? Um, and then things were looking good. And we were very hopeful. And then, you know, within a week, we had to decide we couldn't do it again in good faith because it just wasn't going to be Dom Day. And for me, that was the biggest um, decision 
was can we run a tournament that's going to feel like Dom Day? As somebody who doesn't play and the baseball is not the, the key thing for me, um, it just wasn't going to be Dom Day. And I don't want to put, you know, just a, a mark for the year that we were able to run it when it doesn't feel like Dom Day. So um, I can't wait to get back, you know, fingers, toes, everything crossed for next Canada Day. Um, you know, I, I really think and hope it's going to be better than ever because there's so much pent up demand. This podcast, you know, has been a great way to keep it alive. And um, when we couldn't actually be there in person and, and play the game. So, yeah, I, I, I'm really looking forward to next year and seeing where this goes, you know, as we said, the fathers, the sons, and then there's new sons coming. So the sky's the limit with this thing. Senior, final thoughts. Well, <clears throat> I wish I had brought the trophy up from the basement because, um, as you know, four or five years ago, I think it was, Andrew, maybe longer than that, we had the trophy rebuilt. Um, most people didn't realize that the original trophy didn't have any of the winner's plaques on there past about, I don't know, 1988 or something, because they just ran out of room. So we rebuilt this trophy and, and um, there was enough room to get us up to the 40th. And, uh, you know, that magnificent championship win. Um, boy, senior. Beating down the the villainous bear, um, like why do we need any more anything on the trophy? So we needed more, and uh, so I had the trophy extended again, much like the the Stanley Cup. Well, now it's got room to probably have another twenty or thirty years on there. Okay, the my buddy who did it kind of misread my directions and made it much larger, but I think that's a good thing. I really think that this is so special that we can keep it going for a long, long time. And the sick kids um, charitable aspect of it is, is key. It's so important to the city and it is something that, you know, people don't need to know who Delmer or bear or God forbid Donnie are, um, the tournament will carry on, you know? So all the other wonderful um, things that people say about Dom Day uh, are all true. Um, I love describing it to people that I sit beside on airplanes, but that doesn't happen anymore. But um, it's, it is so unique and so downright cool um, without getting into the nitty gritty of all the unbelievable stories um, that I honestly believe we can fill the current trophy. And that's what I think we should do. You're here. Bravo, bravo, senor. Yep. Donnie, final thoughts? Well, I, I had some good things to say until senior just dusted me off there. Turn, turn your <laughs> microphone on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, you know, it's funny, you know, you, you listen to this stuff and, you know, I keep thinking back to the first the first couple of years and to hear seniors say that, uh, you know, he didn't play for a couple of years, but he was at all the parties and and think, of, you know, the, the vision back then was not any further than probably the next year, truthfully. And that would apply, I think, for the first couple of years. I mean, we just wanted to play ball and have some fun. And then we developed, uh, you know, along the way, a lot of a lot of friendships and a lot of 
a lot of uh, new friends every year and it just grew and grew and grew. And then we had the affiliation with the sick kids, what's really made the tournament special. And we've kept that going. And, and I agree, you know, the, the goal is to, to fill up, you, you got to let us know how many spots there are on there, senior, but whatever, I will. It, is, whatever I will. it is, that's the goal at this point. But these guys, you know, this, the, the, the coats, this coats family, um, you know, have always been special to me and, uh, you know, they're, they're a, a great group, uh, with, with senior and Wendy and then, uh, with Candace and Amanda and, and Dewey, they've always been a presence at the field and a, a fun presence. Right. So you just, drunken. you know, they've been, they've been willing to, what's that? A drunken fucking. Yeah. Fun. Lots, lots of fun. They're just fun people. And they've always been willing to help out with whatever. And, um, and then always there to support, you know, every, every one of us, uh, when we need it. So, uh, it's been great to have them involved and great to see Dewey take that leadership role and run with it as, as some of us, some of us other folks have just kind of winded down, you know, and just like to enjoy the, the lawn chair and the beer and, and maybe straddle out there for a hit or two, but, uh, no, just, uh, just a terrific family. And, uh, and, uh, I consider it a privilege to, uh, to, to know them and to have them as friends and, uh, Hopefully next year we can tie one on as a group and, uh, and uh, big fat hugs and kisses and all that sort of thing and, and keep this thing rolling. So great time tonight. Really now, enjoyed. Really Donnie, enjoyed. I, I don't know if you can see the picture right behind me. It's, it's the picture Eric took of the, yeah the 40th of the whole group. So yeah. Yeah. I look at it often. Yeah. So Cote, good time. Cote, good time. Cote, final thoughts. Well, um, certainly I'm, I'm very proud that I have a great relationship with uh, my own siblings, including Steve and my nieces and nephews that obviously include that include Andrew and uh, they are obviously an integral part of Dom Day. Um, I don't think their hard work behind the scenes, including the cleanups on Mondays is ever really um, noticed enough, but they were tremendous through all those years. I know Steve, you, I kind of laugh when you said it would have been great for our dad to be here sitting with Mr. P. Unfortunately, my concern is that he did like the Brown stuff and he would have been maybe one of the fucking grandfathers sitting there with his grandson, Andrew, drinking Brown and helping each other home. But that, that's for another story. But um, I also think it's great now that Andrew, who has uh, now been a lawyer for more than a few years, um, we have a lawyer on board and uh, we certainly maybe can need it for some of you guys who do stupid fucking things on Friday and Saturday night and and uh, maybe need some representation. So to both you guys, thanks for everything you do for Dom Day. Uh, obviously, uh, proud, proud that they're coaches and uh, proud for everything they do. Babe, final thoughts. Uh, I mean, there's lots to talk about. I'll try and keep it quick, though. But I, you know, two of the greatest families in my life, you know, the Goodmans and the Coates, you know, connecting together, obviously, Senior and Wendy, you know, marrying. And then, you know, Andrew being, you know, the oldest second generation child is, you know, of all the group is, is pretty special. And he's done an unbelievable job, you know, not only on Dom Day, but in life. Um, you know, and I go, I'm just so proud of them, but I go, you can talk about all the engineering feats in the world. One that's really been lost is what senior did for the turbo Honda. 
when true. yeah when it was a vehicle that i had uh, my roommate bashed the bumper in uh went through a spot check they said you got to replace this bumper went over to senior's uh you know shop at at kingsnow and cote and we've got probably 20 guys around we gather around we're looking at it going what can we do what can we do senior goes um my mom just cut her fence post down uh we can use the fence post as a bumper so obviously, you know, somebody grabs a book, reads it up and goes, yeah, we sure can and puts a fence post up. And that that vehicle ran for another probably 100,000 miles, not kilometers, you freaking millennial pricks, miles. Remember and we, so, we I mean, autographed it. Remember, we and we autographed it. it. Yeah. yeah. Senior was bright first, you know, right in center. And I mean, it was beautiful. It's just fantastic. I but think we actually I, angled the, the ends of the bumper, too. If I'm we did, yeah. We, yeah based on senior saying, you know what, yeah. if somebody actually falls, if we fall on that and try to sue somebody, then it won't happen because you'll. Yeah, just I think pass. it was. I think it was for aerodynamics. It was for yeah. fuel economy. It was better, yeah. and it it ran like a charm. After remember, that. we but, took that thing to the MTO to get it safetyed at Keel Street and the 401, and there was nothing wrong with the bumper, but the wiper, the the squirter didn't work, and minnow wasn't that happy and he told the guy that he'd piss in the jug thing yeah. Who did? obviously Mental, we're missing a little he goes, fluid oh, fucking put fluid some fluid into that windshield washer holder said he'd pull his dick out and piss in it yeah so we did get the passing grade on it but I, you know what i go as i said senior and dewey and you know obviously cote and lindy i go just great friends for a long long time and it's it's so special to have you guys on really is and you know some great stories um but love what you guys do dewey you got to get back to playing because you know what you're still a damn good athlete yeah <laughs> that's good stuff guys can so we, I'm just can gonna... we cut that out <laughs> i'm just gonna wrap up with a few final words and maybe i'll start with the athleticism i mean andrew andrew was the first guy to to, to join the table I followed shortly thereafter. So it made a lot of sense that we then reached out to guys like Mikey Woods, Bobby Philman, uh, and a few others to join us in helping organize because we did need a few guys who were at least somewhat athletic uh, to help round out that executive yeah. table. But um, I just want to say, I mean, I, no no stranger to, um, to what Dewey does behind the scenes. Um, like I said, he was the first guy to step up um, and, and without him stepping up, I don't think I would have stepped up because he was kind of the guy who nudged me into, into, into helping out. And I think, you know, I said it earlier that I think Andrew's a surefire Dom Day Hall of Famer one day. And I think when the time comes that we start putting second generation guys in, he was the first at the table and the first young guy that needs to go into the Hall of Fame without a doubt. Um, so my hat's off. Dewey for, for all you've done uh, with this tournament. Um, and I would say, you know, a lot of people, you know, sometimes don't fully understand what it's like to grow up at, at this tournament and what it means to carry on the torch. Um, and I, I think, you know, some of the words that I'm going to read right now are from the, the Dom Day 31 program that you wrote, Andrew, um, about what it meant to be a Dom Day youth for you. Um, and I think for me, this is shortly thereafter I got involved in, in the tournament. And this, as along with some of your encouragement at the time, is why I think I started to get involved. So from Dom Day 31, Andrew, you wrote, Maybe it's the collective memories we have, hearing a litany of new swear words you can entertain your friends with later, collecting beer bottles, existing entirely on hot dogs and Doritos for three days straight, or wondering why my mom is driving home tonight, or in my case, 
my dad, as usual. So while you adults have been counting down the days until the July long weekend, we have been too. So Andrew, I think you summed up pretty well what it means to be a Dom Day second generation and you do every year. Um, so thank you for all you do guys. Uh, I'm looking forward to being back with you at, at Case Field next year. That's all for tonight, guys. Uh, be sure to like, rate, and subscribe to the Dom Day Tales podcast, and we'll see you again next week. Guns and money <clears throat> 